You're with Pastor Troy right here. We're getting excited. we got a special program for you. You're going to be seeing over the next few weeks until we get ready for season two. You're going to be seeing the best of the On The Dock season one. These will be coming at you hard and steady. I want you to get them out there. Check them out. Help us get them out to your friends. We want to see you on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes as well. But this is the best of, get this, the best of season one. Get ready for it. We're going to be coming at you with a super season two coming up this August. We'll see you soon. Enjoy this episode of On the Dock season one. Best of. This is Pastor Troy, and you're on the dock with us. We're so excited to have you here with us, and we are blessed. We're ready to get ready with an incredible set of podcasts coming up for you right now. It's going to be just a wonderful power trip. We're going to get out there and do some amazing stuff. We've got an incredible series called FCA and the Coaches of Nations. It's going to be just a power pack loaded. We've got Roger Leip in the studio. I'm going to introduce him formally here in a minute. We're going to have some incredible other guests joining us very soon, but we want to remind you that On the Dock has one mission plan, and that is to do conversation right here in a safe studio. We're going to be here on the dock here, and you love that old music. That music, I know it's a Georgia song, but we put some Memphis blues to it, but we're in Memphis sitting back on the dock looking at the river go by, but we're going to get you some conversation. It'll get you out into the deep, and it'll it'll propel you. It's, we're hoping to encourage you and strengthen you to get out of the shallows and into the deep. So we thank you for joining us, and we just want to tell you that our partners out there, you can watch us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and those are our main platforms. So get there and get on it. You can also check out our other partners down the side there, Google Podcasts, Facebook, Facebook, Roy Rumble, and SermonNet, and we always want you to join us on our social media. You can find out links to all kinds of things, like Roger's a prolific blogger. We're going to be showing you all kinds of links. We'll be putting those out on our chat mediums, like Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, and Twitter. You don't want to miss those things. And we want you, whenever you find our platforms, hit the subscribe, like, share, comment, hit notification. Make sure you're partnering up with us and telling other people about On The Dock. And go to On The Dock. We have a Patreon site. You can go to my Patreon, download the Patreon program, and become a partner or supporter. The other way to find us, both the platforms and Patreon, is to go to our website at onthedoc.org. You can go there, and there's all kinds of information. Matter of fact, you can watch the show right there in our viewer. You can also download and go to take the links to go to my Patreon, or you can go to YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. You can find all of our platform partners right there. And we're going to get started now. We got Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the Nations of Coaches series. It's going to be great. Today we're going to be looking at, in part one, sharing faith in the public arena without compromise. Almost unheard of. And right here in the studio, I've got Roger Leip with me. Roger, welcome to On the Dock. Thanks so much, Troy. I'm thrilled to be here. We're glad to have you, Roger, and On the Dock here. And we I just want to tell you a little bit about Roger here. Roger is just an incredible guy here. Roger has just come off 27 years of working for Fellowship of Christian 
Christian athletes. And and let me put this up here. There, here's the graphics. He's got 27 years on the right, and he's just coming out of the haunches with Nations of Coaches. But he's he's coming there in a big way to kind of help be a part of that incredible ministry. We'll be telling you more in some of the parts about that, all that ministry. But we want to focus in here. Roger's been globetrotting for, for years. Mm-hmm. He's a globetrotter uh, around the globe. He's been leading FCA Christian sports initiatives around the world. Roger is, I'm just going to show this to you. We're going to talk about this in one of the podcasts coming up. Roger's a prolific writer. He's an author. And just up there, you see one, two, three, four, five, six books. One of them is in English and Spanish. So so I don't know if you get an extra book for that. Somebody had to translate <laughs> it. That's great. And you can see how to get those. There's a link under there that tells you about that. We'll be coming back to you on that. You can go to crosstrainingpublishing.com and you can you can just put Roger Leip's name in the search engine. It'll come there. You can go backslash catalog backslash. But we'll have that in our show notes. You can get to those as well. He's not just a prolific writer. He is a prolific blogger. Look at that. Four blogs and a YouTube channel. So we'll also have those in the show notes as well. So you can get to all those sites. If you have any questions, you can always email us at info at on the We'll get them to you directly. Get on those blogs and we'll talk more about those coming up here real soon. Um, look, we're going to have all these available to you, but Roger's more important than that. Roger's married. And, and I love Roger, but I like his wife, Sharon, better. Sharon, Sharon, years ago, Roger connected me with SIU football, and we got to do a lot of events. It raised a lot of money for our church to do work through Hands of Hope Foundation. We do surgical medical clinics over in Africa. And Sharon got me doing meals and stuff for the football team. She was team mom. She was the – what did she do, coordinate all the work? Yeah, for- she was the operations manager, office manager. She did all that stuff. And team mom. I, I, saw, I saw Sharon more times than not as players would come to meals with us, tell them, pull your pants up. We don't show – that's not – Man, and the players love her. She was team. I mean, she was the heartbeat of that team. She's retired now, and uh, we just appreciate Sharon. Uh, You guys got a son and a daughter-in-law, two grandchildren. Yep, that's pretty good. You got me beat by one. (laughs) Roger's been my good friend and spiritual mentor for thirty years plus come back and you need to watch go back and watch if you haven't pastor troy's mentors roger was here with shane and fred bishop some incredible work that was a powerful set make sure you do that yeah it was great we brought roger back because really roger was here talking about that role together and we didn't even really get into roger's real work so we just got to get back here roger's i can we had a whole episode with with shane that's going to air a little bit later called pastoring in 2020 beyond and we got a whole episode with roger and so it's kind of funny we we worked for five episodes and then we were able to do four or five more with you guys so it's incredible what what a wealth of knowledge thank you for being here and and so we're going to be unpacking all of this incredible his books his podcast his work um we're going to be looking at um amazing he's going to bring in some amazing guest coaches uh to join us down the road as we expand the discussion we'll get into that a little bit later in one of the episodes and while roger i haven't even really touched on any of your work or your global work really uh it's just amazing what you're doing so let's start with this what is the work i know you've been for most of your well 27 plus years now you've been a a team you know fca is kind of like you you think the old school the the team chaplain you know Mm -hmm. but really it's evolved into this whole character coach thing explain the role of that yeah, character coaching has, uh, in as the, our as our culture has become more and more secularized, less and less informed by Christianity, um, a lot of people became more and more uncomfortable with the word chaplain because it had a decidedly religious tone to it, and so for the same role, virtually the same work, uh, people became more uh, comfortable with the word character coach that we're going to coach your players in terms of character and not just be somehow uh, some separate compartmentalized religious thing. 
And that's what that that connotes really well in the sporting world because most everybody in the sporting world understands that there are character issues related to their players. They just have no answers for them. They have no clue. <laughs> that's right. They don't spend any time coaching that. They don't. They're ill-equipped to coach that. They don't know how. Hey, they watch film, take apart film, get a game plan ready, and attack. Exactly. And then when, when problems come, come they got whoa. You with, know, with limited time, like the twenty-hour rule in collegiate sport they're only going to let you coach those kids 20 hours well guess what those guys are going to spend all their 20 hours on x's and o's it's all going to be on technique and strategy and the stuff that they probably would like to help deal with broader things of life with off-court issues with the character the hearts the souls of their players they're either unqualified or boxed out by the time and they're looking around for help and uh that's what makes room for us this is a bonus question i didn't even plan to ask this question but mm-hmm. you made me think i want to let me show this picture in this little spurt here a picture of roger you can see a picture here of roger <laughs> he's going down the sideline. he's saluki football one of the, one part of character coach for the team he looks like he's coaching a bit right there you yeah. know and i've got other i've got other pictures i could bring i go to roger's facebook <laughs> site and see it you you see him talking to players on the sideline. i i coached at the lower levels in the high school and below and, and and I coached all my kids all the way through. One of my kids played college uh, at at McKendry. And gosh, I know as a coach, gosh, there are just times when you just had it with a player, and, and you're just like, I, I want him gone. I want him away from me. Don't get around me. I never had, to be honest with you, I was always the pastor as the coach. Yeah. So I just knew I need to be away from that kid at this time. <laughs> Having you on the sideline when when a coach is exasperated have you ever been just told roger you need to talk to that guy mm-hmm. you need to fix this oh yeah because for a coach you'd be thinking that guy's benched i'm going to number two i'm going to number three i've had enough of this and that could be the end of that player's career honestly because when a coach flips the page on a script and decides your trouble i wonder how many times has a coach turned to you and you through character coaching encouraging maybe getting with that guy getting get finding the burn south how many times have you seen a player kind of regenerated back into the lineup yeah many times <laughs> in that particular moment we're at northern iowa and we're playing and that's the first that game we won in 2009 it was the first time we had won there in 18 years, I think it was, and I'm shouting at Deji, run, son, run. <laughs> it's an intense atmosphere. I absolutely love it, I love and it. it was so much fun to watch Deji break through that day and have a great day. But I cannot tell you how many times there have been where Coach will call me on the phone, Raj, I'm ready to send this kid home. I'm tired <laughs> of this. I'm ready. Bus and, tickets. And then I'm trying to, in all things of this sort, I'm trying to bring perspective. Right. Whether it's we're on a 10-game winning streak and we're all full of ourselves, I'm going to bring perspective. Or it's we've lost five in a row. How are we going to handle this? I'm going to bring perspective. Or in this case, that kid, he's ready to send that kid home. Yeah. But I'm br- going to, again, bring perspective and say, Coach, if we send him home, he gets worse. Yeah. We're the one chance, our relationship's here, what he's doing here is the one chance for this kid to get out of his everyday circumstance. Can we find a way to keep him? Can we find a way to give him another chance? And often, what's been fun is to watch some of those rela- some of those relationships coming out of some of those conversations be super redemptive and watch those wow. guys flower later 
because we gave them one more chance. Did you build some coaching chips over time doing oh, some of that stuff? I bet you did. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Because now they still call me two or three jobs later and say, Rods, I'm trying to deal with this thing. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. that's right. I can see that. All right, let, let's get into this. I got some I got I got some questions for you, Rods. This is our theme today is all about sharing your faith in the public arena without compromise. So that's a real challenge. Yeah. But the university, you know, the university, I'll say academia. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get broader. So we're not just university, you work in high schools, you work in elementary, uh, junior high schools with, with FCA, we're all over the place. But the but the education world is a den of iniquity these days. The university is, it, the academia has become very counterculture. Mm-hmm. I used to, you know, in a sense, uh, the university shudders at things like mainstream. I'm not saying we're in Southern Illinois, there's still God-fearing people. We're sure. blessed by having, a lot of our university's education are very open to us. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, you've got, you've got, you've got people that shudder at mainstream, they shudder at the word orthodox, they shudder at the word evangelical. Evangelical and any form of Christianity that purports the gospel of Jesus Christ unashamed and unadulterated. It seems like everything else can be unadulterated, but if you mention Jesus, mm-hmm. fully clothed, yeah. unadulterated, it, people are really offended. Yeah. And, and we're in a society where I don't think I don't know how you get offended. So my question is number one is how how have you survived and how have you thrived and how are, have doors how have doors that have been open to you that others say could never be open. How has it happened? Well, I think the big picture is I treat, I do things relationally, not programmatically. That's probably the biggest, simplest way to say it is I do things relationally, not programmatically. And secondly, I watch Jesus' style as he deals with his critics and people who push back against the gospel in the gospels. And you watch, what does he do? He asks, he answers hard questions with questions. And he'll take a, a simple approach to things rather than become argumentative or, be, or chase their foolish question. No, nope, he'll just turn the thing on them. I can think of one instance in particular. A number of years ago, an administrator at the university uh, calls me in the athletic department and says, Raj, can you come talk with me a minute? I've got a question for you. Okay. And I know this person, you know, probably can't spell Jesus, let alone know him. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm thinking, all right, well, I wonder what's coming go in, sit down, and she's telling me the story about a, a recent academic uh, banquet for all these student-athletes had done really well academically. They hold this event to say, way to go, we're proud of you. But to start the evening, one of the head coaches was asked to do an inv- invocation, and she prayed, and she prayed in Jesus' name. And and then and somebody, after the fact, comes to her, to this uh, administrator, saying, does that have to be there? <laughs> they took one person out of the whole room, takes offense, and suddenly it's a big issue. Jesus. Exactly. And, uh, and she says, is there a way to, like, do something that's more generic or blah, 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 all that? And I, said, I looked at her, and I said, no. No. <laughs> I said, you're in a place where you get to choose who you want to offend. Right. I said, you can offend everybody of genuine faith by doing some generic thing like that, and they'll all go, are you kidding me? Yeah. Or you could offend, take a chance that you're offending the one person who complained, or you can be pluralistic. You want to be a pluralistic society? You want to be a pluralistic university? Well, then this year you have a Christian. Next year you have a Muslim. The next year you have a Buddhist. The next year you have a Sikh. Right. Now, you get to choose who you want to offend. So you can offend them all by doing nothing. That's or, right. as it, And so it was funny. She said, oh, I had not thought about it that way. And so all I did was reframe the the issue, bring some perspective. And we still have people saying invocations on the campus at those events um, because we removed the offense. 
That's great. That is outstanding. They, it just seems like you've you've entered into hundreds of relationships over mm-hmm. the years. I mean, I can't. I I bet you, maybe you know because you're you're a journaler. I know you are, <laughs> and, and you keep track of that stuff. But I can't even imagine how many hundreds of relationships uh, that you've had with students, student athletes, coaches, uh, teachers. I'm sure administrators. You just yeah, gave us an example. Yeah. Probably even parents. Uh, in the last 27 years, j- just tell me about the spectrum of those kinds of things that you run into in the work you've been doing. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, th- that, that number's in the thousands easily because just because of every year on a football roster, there's 100-plus guys and a right. dozen-plus coaches, and that thing turns over every four years, uh, 100%, 25% every year. And then you add in all the other sports, and it, it becomes, holy smoke, who knows the number. But it is on all those different planes, meaning players, coaches, families, administrators, uh, athletic trainers. It just support staff, all kinds of things mm-hmm. all over the place. And for me, um, the, the, the big idea in this is at my economy of time and effort related to ministry is I'm going to cast the net really broadly. And we're talk to everybody as we have occasion and try to connect, engage everybody that we can. But I'm along the process, I'm watching to see who's hungry. Is there any hunger? Um, is the wind blowing anywhere from the John chapter three, um, metaphor with Jesus and Nicodemus after talking about being born again and all Nicodemus can see is his mother, Jesus just time out verse seven. Don't marvel that I said, you must be born again. Then he switches metaphors and he says, the wind blows wherever it wishes. And you can hear the sound that it makes, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. He says, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit, not some of them, everyone, so when I walk outside, I can tell it's windy. Why? Because the tree's shaking. Right. Because the flag is fly, is whipping over there. It's windy over there. So for me, I'm just looking to see where's it windy. And it's always windy in the training room because that kid's knee hurts. It's always right. windy in the emergency room. It's always windy at the morning. They're looking for hope. They They're looking for any help. answers. Right. right? It, uh, the kid's standing there on the sideline w- with his knee just banged up. It's windy inside his helmet because something's pushing him around. And often it's fear, their need goes up, their resistance comes down. One of my best friends in ministry says, hey, the Lord's at work in your next door neighbor and in the heads of state to make their need go up and their resistance come down. Because generally when their need is low, their resistance is high. But the Lord's spirit is moving in the world to flip that equation. And suddenly the one who's needy is the one who asks a question. She's the one who raises an objection or he may be the one who says, Hey, Rog, tell me about this. Or the kid who carries a Bible to chapel on the weekend and think, I didn't know that kid had a Bible. Wasn't sure he could spell Bible, but there it is. What's going on there? Well, it's windy inside there. Let's talk about that. And so in that large group of people, there's a few that the Lord's drawing today. It's like John six forty four. If the Lord doesn't draw them, they're not coming. But he is drawing, and I just want to see the ones the Lord's drawing. So the few, like, like I, I just made my notes. I kind of was thinking about that. That over time, as a as as a character coach, you begin to get those attention zones. Yeah, you know, these are going to be good places. These are good mm-hmm. exactly. areas where somebody's like you said. I love that their needs high, their resistance is low. For pastors, we do the same thing a bit. We know. I mean, I don't like it, but we know Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. We're going to get 
extra people in. Um, some people think that all we preach is those three sermons. It, it gets a little <laughs> frustrating. I don't ever preach those things on those days because I just don't like it. I think it's good for them to hear other things in the Bible. For sure. I do. I don't preach to Proverbs 31 woman on Mother's Day ever. <laughs> you know, I just don't. And But I, I know that those are days where people are going to be able to bring somebody in. I also know that people that are less engaged, if they've had a funeral, a death, a yeah. tragic accident, yeah. cancer diagnosis, that all of a sudden, they want to hear the word of the pastor. They want to pray. And you have a moment there to have an impact. Will that be lasting? That's not up to me. You plant the seed. Somebody yeah. waters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems like you have found there's attention spots and zones. And I no love doubt. your idea about the need goes up. As the need goes down, you know, they're, they're prime time. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the resistance goes up. Absolutely. They can't hear the noise yeah. and, and the success and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They That's become more in the sporting world, like a lot of other performance-driven kind of things their attention becomes more and more about themselves as their need goes down, right? Their resistance comes up just because they can't hear anything else about their... And it goes back to the, those that exalt themselves, he'll humble, and those that humble themselves, he'll exactly. exalt it. I, I, that's really, really, really Spot brilliant. Spot on. Let, yeah, did you have another thought? No, just that um, I'm constantly watching for that. In character coaching, sports chaplaincy, most of what we do is done intuitively more than it is strategically, right? right? There are going to be moments where we're going to do these things, but in the middle of doing those things is when I'm intuiting what's going okay. on in the world. I, what's What do I perceive? What's going on in that heart? I like that because, you know, as a as – when you when you're coaching football, so I'll come up from my mm-hmm. lower level coaching experience. You come into a game. You usually have a, you know 20 plays you want to run. You have a couple defenses you want to try. You're going to run a few stunts and see how they respond to it. And then you know honestly, the play the play goes out the door about about, about first quarter. You, you you if it's tracking, you'll stay on it. But a lot of times, you know something happens. Player gets hurt. Uh, this happens. They fumble the ball. Or you're kind of in crisis. All of a sudden, your running game goes out. The, you know you you've got a plan. You come out. You do your warm ups. You do your stuff. You get your team ready and you get on the field. Yep. Coaches have a, a set routine. They're very routine people, yep. but then they also have a wealth of experience to draw on and they get ready for the line of battle. sounds like your work is very parallel. You come out probably get ready to get the team ready, get focused, get the kids encouraged, you know, and, but then when the game starts, then you, then you see the attention pool, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to move from moment to moment based on what I see, what I perceive, what I hear, what I feel in my gut. When, when my spirit is moved, I'm going, oh, there's something there. We better chase that, find out what's going on there. And sometimes that's a facial expression or it's a, it's a point of contention in a relationship. And I'm going, what is going that's on good. there? It gives me something to, to follow up later. So I guess the thing is sometimes you, you, you got to relax and just breathe a little bit and just, just wait on God to show you and be attentive. Yeah, that's right. That that implies I like what you said about relationship, uh, relationship not pragmatically. Yeah. Yeah. So it also means you've got to be tenant to the Lord. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord. You got to understand the kids so you can see what's good and bad. So you've been observing a lot. You know they're up or they're down, and you know there's an opportunity. So you, it takes a lot of observation. I'd say there's a lot of observation hours here. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when I have interns that are going to serve. They want to intern. They want to learn about sports ministry. I said, all right, we're going to go watch practice together. Yeah. And I'll have them stand by me at practice. And I said, here's what we do today. We observe and we perceive. We're just wow. going to stand here and watch practice. But we're watching 
We're not watching technique points. We're not watching strategic points of how well did they run that drill. I'm watching that facial expression. I'm watching this communication between those coaches or between those players. Who communicates well? Watch that body language. Watch this. And they go, oh. Who's having a good day? Who's having a bad day? Right, right. See that frustration on that kid's face? The line line coach has been hollering a lot at one kid. You've heard the same name. Exactly. Right. When I played, it was Benetton, Benetton, Benetton. It was never good. Yeah, and you're going, okay, why is that coach on that kid so hard? Yeah. And now that gives me something. Is it the coach? coach? Is it the kid? Or is it both? Yeah, or is it both? Both are having a bad day. Right, right. and I'm like, okay, coach, I saw you really riding Johnny today. What's up with that? And yeah. he may say, that kid has more potential, and he just doesn't know. I'm trying to figure out how do we get that out of him. And I, now I know what he's driving for, right? Yeah, but that's so good. Because, you know, they're, they're in, in the preaching world, there's manuscript preachers, and, and they can be very good. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bullet point preacher. Mm-hmm. And I have distinct notes. I can stay on track, but I feed off the room a bit. I can mm-hmm. see where people yeah. are biting on the hook and stuff, and I'll, I'll drive in and run that a little. So I can see a lot of intuition needed in this, in this world. Exactly. Roger, let me ask you this question. You've coached all these thousands of relationships. You've got, you've got how many times in the, in the last 27 years have one, of your, have one of your student athletes now become a teacher or a coach? or an administrator or they're now married and you're and you're now you're you're now working with their children have you, you got any comeback stories oh absolutely I, i'm thinking about it one of the guys we'll see later today i remember him as a baseball player at the university his wife uh then his girlfriend was a softball player super competitive people and i'm watching their early relationship watching the young guy come to christ and she's telling about you know at an fca meeting hey this this guy just did this and and i'm looking at him and he had answered an altar call at an event and I'm looking at him across the room and I think he has no idea what he did. He has no <laughs> clue. He's here for the girl. And I think, and so after the meeting, I said, Hey, how about we get lunch this week and talk about, uh, uh, get, just talk about things. Said, okay, good. So we get there and I said, all right, the other day she said, you may answered this altar call and all that. And he said, I, he said, yep. And I said, do you understand what that means? He said, nope. <laughs> I said, you want to? And he said, yep. And so I explained, this is part of the process of beginning to grow in Christ. Yeah, I made a decision, but I don't know what it means. And now how do we pursue this? Wow. And to start discipleship with him, I did their wedding. Wow. I was part of watching. Now they have three kids, and I'm watching them grow up. And they, they're both teachers and coaches. And to watch their lives in Christ blossom and flower and produce fruit, Man, that's big stuff. Which, which, which one of the coaches is this? Um, uh, that's Coach Emmerich. Coach Emmerich. You want me to show a picture? Yeah. I can do it. I can do it. I've got his photo for this afternoon. That dude. So that family there came out of that whole process? Yeah. The FCA meeting. I can't. And, and he and Crystal were there, and I'm watching their young wow, relationships. When I'm talking with Crystal over coffee one day, because I'd watch them, and they're hyper-competitive people. I mean, they're both highly achieving collegiate athletes. Uh-huh. But and by their nature, they're competitive enough that even in their relationship, they That's tease correct. each other a lot. That's great. And I remember sitting with uh, Crystal over coffee at Panera, and I said, "Crystal, if you want your relationship with Nathan to grow, you really need to stop teaching each other, teasing each other." And she yeah. looked at me, and I said, "Because I know those are done in fun." But some of those probably hit a little closer to the heart than you'd like. And she said, <laughs> "That's right." Yeah, and I mean, it went just like snap changed that's great and their relationship grew and <laughs> but i it was one that she's teachable i mean she's coachable Praise God. and i said if you want it to grow you should do this and she did <laughs> and it was fun, phenomenal thanks for sharing that that's great that's great i can't wait to meet them this afternoon it's gonna be great we're gonna have a great podcast with those guys coming in it's gonna be 
Incredible. Now, let me. This is my my big complex theological question. You know, I'll get pastoral mm-hmm. with you for a minute, but but and I I, I spent a whole year teaching on Daniel, so I, I think mm-hmm. from the, the mindset of the world we're in, we we are we are now the Christians are we're fairly countercultural. We're we're the oddity, absolutely. Yeah, so we're kind of like Daniels today. So you've been a Daniel to so many organizations, uh, institutions, and and considering how Daniel operated, Daniel operated through four different kingdoms. Yeah different kings, um, he was appreciated and revered by all four of those kings, um, all four of those kings. And though he operated in a kingdom of God paradigm, a different paradigm than their their, their heathenistic ones, in the end, uh, Daniel actually changed the heart of kings. Yeah. And if you really know the story, when he gets to the Persian king, the last king, Cyrus, Cyrus releases the Jews to begin to return to Israel. Mm-hmm. And really Daniel's work, so to speak, in the in the breach, you know, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys were in hostile environment. They did not compromise, and they disobeyed a few things, but they did it in such a way that the king they had they had poker chips with the king. Yeah, you know, and and, and in the end, they took their punishment. And whether it's the lion's den or whether it's the three in the fire, these guys came out in such a way that I mean. It was amazing. So, I do you ever feel like you're a Daniel, and do you ever feel like you're you've been in the lion's den or the fire pit? And and how do you handle that? And what, what's some strategy there for people dealing with that today? Yeah, I've certainly not encountered any sense of uh, opposition to that level, right? I'm that's not, 27 years. That's unbelievable, yeah. Roger. But, right, I've not been thrown in a lion's den. I've not been thrown into prison. That's what I mean. Oh, okay, into, uh, okay, no, I, no, I got you. Not, not that severe. Well, you've been in places that could happen, though. Exactly. Yeah. And, but here's the thing for me: it's um, I think what Daniel understood, and this is what informs my work, is I know who I am at my core, and I know what my highest values are, and I don't have to compromise those things because I'm also aware of what value I bring to the process. And so that's what I know they value, right? If I have something they need, they'll, they'll make a room. I was just talking with a player this morning about Proverbs eighteen sixteen. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. And whatever giftedness the Lord has given me, it, it allows me entrance. And so then how I conduct myself once in the door is up to me. But uh, it's like a lot of other things. I don't pick fights. Don't have to. Um, I remember talking with Jim Sloan, who's a guy you've known forever. Yeah, I, great, he he great served pastor, a long, man. long, long, long time in one pastor. And I said, Pastor, how do you do that in the United Methodist Church where normally they just move guys around all the time? Right. How do you do that? And he said, well, I found out there's a list of things worth dying for. It's really short. There's a list of things that are worth fighting over. It's still a pretty short list. He said, there's another list of things that are not even worth an argument. That's a really long list. If you know which, which items are on which list, it really helps. And so for me, uh, if you wanted to be offended, you could easily be offended. I just refuse most of the time to take offense at things. That's fantastic. And so, but Because I'm more interested in the relationship with those people than I am in uh, somehow thinking I'm protecting a brand. or thing. No. It's like guys will, you know, it's people curse all over the place in the sporting world and guys will sometimes look around, Oh, Raj, I'm sorry. And I was like, son, I'm not offended. If you'd like to change the way you speak, I can help you do that, but you're not hurting right, right. me. Yeah. And they go, Oh, okay. exactly. And he's a regular dude. I said, yeah, exactly. So I remember one coach asking me, Raj, our guys cuss a lot. We're standing there at pregame and at a, at a stretch 
And, uh, and he said, why do you think that is? I said, yeah, I've noticed. And I said, he said, what do you think that is? I said, coach, it's tough guy culture. They think that's how tough guys talk. Right. And you and I know that's not true, but they're 18 to 22 year old knotheads. They just don't know yet. So it's just tough guy culture. And they don't, some of them just don't have any other adverbs. That's right. <laughs> There's very short vocabulary, right? No, I know Fred, uh, who serves as a mentor to both of mm-hmm. us, he always says, no offense if you take no offense. Yeah. And, and you can really. De- you can like bring down the temperature Absolutely. and your role yeah. primarily is to bring down the temperature yeah. and get back into relationship and get, get communicating. Yeah. Cause I value relationship more than I do that other stuff. You know, and it's Proverbs 15, one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's good. And so I'm not going to stir it up. Nope. Rather I'm going to find a way. So can we pacify the moment to get to the real issue? Cause the issue is not that guy's tongue. No, the issue is his heart. That's right. Jesus said it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Your tongue is not a tongue issue. It's not even a vocabulary issue. It's a heart issue. That's outstanding. Roger, last question. Here you go. This is, I want you to sum it up. This is a, on the dock. We're all about getting people out of the shallows mm-hmm. into the deep. And so the last question is one to coach us on and coach our listeners on is what are those maybe three, four things you've given us some really good things here and you can pull from those or others. Mm-hmm. What are those three, four things that we need to learn so that we can become God's ambassadors in those similar situations, whether, whether we're character coaching in our office, whether we're working with our employees, working with our own kids, maybe we get a chance to be a FCA huddle coach for a local sports team or something. Uh, what are some three or four things that you would say, start with? Yep. I would look at, um, couple of texts of scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors as though the Lord was making his appeal through us. And we are that we walk around in the world as ambassadors for Christ. Uh, we represent his kingdom in another kingdom. That's what an ambassador Second Corinthians 5, 520. 520. And that we are that we am, represent the Lord in a foreign kingdom. So you understand that first and foremost. Absolutely. We are countercultural by our nature. And Daniel had Daniel understood that. Absolutely. He did what he had to do, even when he told the king, Well, you'll have to put us on the fire, put me in the line, then I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to compromise here, but I understand what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Respectful, even if you had to hold your ground. But and honestly, just be the kind of ambassador that he, when that king stayed up all night praying for him in the lion's den. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You realize yeah. he had changed that guy's heart, exactly. that he would become his advocate even in what he had to do. Exactly. Yeah, I love and that. And so some of that is is understanding I am an ambassador to the Lord's kingdom. Oh, I happen to be in a foreign land. It's okay. I want to honor my the one who sent me. That's the point. Uh, so that's part of what gives you your ethical stand in, in wherever you happen to be. And then the other part of this is understanding there are residuals to that. Um, part of it, it's like Second Corinthians, uh, maybe chapter 2. Uh, he says, we are the aroma of Christ in the world. We smell like Jesus when we walk around in the world. And even sometimes without trying, we witness just because they're observing us. Right, we look like victory to some, and we look like death to others. We smell different to them, and they go, "Oh, this reminds me of my own brokenness," and so they feel condemned in their hearts just because we're standing there. Other times, they're going, "Man, that's what I want to be," and so it smells like life to them. They want that stuff. So some of it's you're not even trying; you're just standing around, and your presence has life in it. In Holding there. your ground, being an ambassador, smelling it, and being a witness, even when you're not speaking or talking, yeah. mm-hmm. you'd say start right with that. Exactly. And that's what's going to give you the base to begin to have relationship. Yeah. You're going to defuse. And de- any, any last ones on that? Yep. yep. Two things I would say to do this kind of thing well in the world is to love extravagantly. Okay. It, you're going to have to, it's going to take some extravagant love <laughs> to deal with some people. Not 
modest love. No, Coaches can be hotheads. Oh, the, the parents can be hotheads. Oh, Everybody can be. Lots of high maintenance. These are competitors. People. These are these are warriors. They get you. steroided up. No, I don't mean steroid, but but like what's the word? Uh, uh, testosterone. Yep. They get testosterone up. They're 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 they're, they're battle mode. You bet. Parent. The moms in battle mode. Me too. My worst my worst mothers were, were <laughs> I had a mother that I mean she could just scream from the stands all the way through high school. She was shuddering. You know. You know. It was a woman. Yep. Oh and my. the thing is, you have to love them extravagantly. And secondly, you have to serve selflessly. This is not for me. This is not about me. I'm going to do what I can to serve in a way that demands nothing. Nope. I'm here to give myself away. It's hard to not like that. It, that is winsome by its very nature. And so that wins hearts quickly. It builds relationship quickly. When you love that way, you serve that way, it sets the, the table for you. Well, I love that. So we're going to be in that. We want you to start off. If you want to get out here and do this kind of work, at, even at the lower level, you need to, first of all, be an ambassador. You mm-hmm. need to know who you are. You're Christ. Yeah. You need, I love what you said. I know who I am. And, and, and I, I, at the core, I know who I am. You're a child of God. Mm-hmm. Then you know what value I bring. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love the one thing. There's a, I am, there's a song we have that called I Am a Child of God. Yeah. We just need to have that there. But then we need to be that child of God, whether we're talking or not talking. And observation, yep. just presence, and then love extravagantly and serve selflessly. Yeah. Be ready. Yep. Those are great words. Most coaches like me around because I always encourage I never criticize, I never condemn, I never complain. I always encourage, and there are way too few of those people in the sporting world that are going to consistently encourage. I like that. On the worst day, we lose 100 to nothing. I'm going to find something to encourage. I love that. That kid made great effort. I'm proud of you, son. Way to go. You did great today. I love that. I love that. Roger, this is incredible. We're just getting started here. Uh, Let me just tell you about Roger again one more time before we get out of this episode. We'll be back in part two in a minute. I'll tell you about that. Roger is with Nations of Coaches. You can check that on the screen. Uh, And Roger's their character coach director. We'll get into a lot about that in episode three of this series. And you can get connect with Roger at, through his email there, rlipe@nationsofcoaches.com. Check out Nation of Coaches at nationsofcoaches.com, their website, and you can find out more about how you can support their work, the efforts of Nation of Coaches, by going to their webpage. they got a donate link. It's on the far right of their header page. Click on that, and you can find out more about them and how to support them. Again, I told you earlier, Roger is a prolific writer. He's got more than these three books, but these are the three ones up. I've got one right here. Here's one right here. I'll give it to Lucas right there. That's great. One of my favorite out there because it's Whistles and Wedding Rings. Now, this is for coaches, but I have to tell you, you can read this as a pastor because there's so much about pastoring that's like being yeah. a coach. Yeah. For the family, it's trust me, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that, these coaches. I know. I've, I do, I've done both. I know what it's like for them to talk about you and your stands, mm-hmm. your wife's listening to you. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like for them to talk about a pastor when the wife's listening. It, People want you at all times. You can't go eat anywhere. Everybody knows who you are. So Whistles and Wedding Rings, great one. It gets into a lot of the core values and stuff. So we'll talk about this more in the next episode. He's got coaching our family business. That'll be pastoring our family business <laughs> and becoming an effective sports chaplain on, uh, or character coach. Roger, I think what you need to do in the in the, your next phase of your life is you need to rewrite all these for pastors <laughs> because they are. They're very, very effective for what we do because we are coaches, in a sense, yep. uh, in the kingdom of God. So check those out, crosstrainingpublishing.com. You can check out the catalog there or look up Roger Lipe in the search engine there and get those ordered there are fantastic it'd be great goat gifts you could just be an ambassador by buying these gifts give them to your coaches yeah give them to the coaches of your kids give them, it's like an apple give them an apple then Roger's got all kinds of blogs four different blogs you'll see those in the show notes check those out and and Roger can people connect with you on those blogs are you yeah you can there's a way to email through them or um 
Yeah, or you can just go to that rlipe at nationsofcoaches.com and uh, get, get your link that way. Yeah, all these, when I got there, then you can get set up on them pretty mm-hmm. easy. He's got a great YouTube channel and all of that. So, hey, we're going to be back in part two. We're going to be talking to Roger more in depth about his work actually in the trenches around here. And we're going to be doing that at, when we talk about his work at, at, with the Salukis, with the Sutherland Miners, local huddles, camps, and international work. We'll be doing that in part two. So, by the way, find us at onthedoc.org, onthedoc.org. You can find all about us there. Info at onthedoc.org is our email. So, reach out to us if you need anything. Donna Kranuski, our executive producer, will be glad to talk with you. And you can always find us at YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and all of our other podcasts and video platform partners. You can check them out down the right there. And you can always check us out on our social media partners, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram. Watch out for the broadcast coming up. Get information. Send out questions. If you get some questions for Roger, we'll bring him back in, ask him those questions later. And hey, when you find our platform partners, hit subscribe, like, notify, and just share some comments. Make sure they're nice. They can be real real questions, but we'd love to hear from you through our partners there. And we'll make sure we be put, post up not just the show links, but links to the books, links to the podcast, so you can see those as well. Go to Patreon. That's our financial partner. If you'd like to become a partner or sponsor, we'd love to have you. There's other things on there, incentives there for you. You can also find that through onthedoc.org. And last but not least, if you're not going to church, go to church. We'd love to have you out at Community Faith Church. Community Faith Church is our host site for this uh, on the dock. We'd love to have you at 10 o'clock on Sunday, 6.30 on Wednesdays. And we have a presence online through a virtual campus as well at cofTV.com. You can find that real soon. Hey, we, we look, Roger, good to have you in this first install. It's going to get better and better and better. Roger Lipe is something special. We got more for you on the dock with Pastor Troy. Keep watching. Mm-hmm.